My guest today is a gentleman that I met at the gym that I work out at. And, uh, you know, he's just one of the nicest people at the gym. He's kind of the mayor, I would say. He knows everybody, it seems, every time I'm in there. But, um, you know, just actually, you know, recently I found out that he is a bodybuilder. And not that it didn't surprise me, the guy's friggin' jacked. Um, but I met him. Uh, a year ago, but didn't realize until recently that he is a bodybuilder and he got into it later in life. And I told him, I go, listen, man, you got to get on my show. And literally like four or five days later, he's here. So he's got a crazy, inspiring story, uh, sto- story. <laughs> he's got a crazy, inspiring story and really got into bodybuilding that a lot of people are thinking about retiring. So it's a pretty cool and uh, unique angle that he's coming at it with. So Without any further ado, please give it up for Chris Williams. Get ready to get inspired. This this is the Go For The Goldie podcast. Happy Monday. It is Monday, September 21st, 2020. Welcome to the Go For The Goldie podcast. Do you remember the 21st of September? I know you will because we have an awesome guest today. We have Chris Williams, a bodybuilder and real estate expert extraordinaire. Chris, welcome to the show. How are you? Can you hear me? Are you there? Chris, how are you? Welcome to the show. Thanks, Brian, for having me on. I appreciate it. I did this massive introduction, and I forgot that I was on mute, so that one is on me. (laughs) (laughs) Classic classic Monday right there. Classic Monday. I even had a witty. I said, you know, today is Monday. The 21st of September. Do you remember the 21st of September? I said, of course, you're going to remember it because Chris Williams is an awesome guy, but it's all to hell now. So there you go. (laughs) (laughs) But thanks for joining us today, Chris. I really appreciate it. And um, so, you know, why don't you right off the bat, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Well, hi, um, Chris Williams. As you know, I'm a real estate agent, but I'm also an amateur bodybuilder trying this year to go pro. Um, I started late in life. I didn't start lifting seriously until my mid forties and did my first competition six days before I turned 50. I was dead last, but I got bit by the bug. So I took another five years and competed again and won my age group, which was 50 to 59. And it was mastered bodybuilding. And then I did another show the next year, two shows actually, and got second place in both of those and was preparing for a show in 2016 and something bad happened and I almost died. Wow, so that is right off the bat, there's a lot to unpack right there. <laughs> um, but I mean, I guess the first thing I, you know, I'll say is, you know, I, I, I've been seeing Chris at the gym, you know, we go to Cowboys Fit and there's a lot of really interesting people, athletes, whatever you want to say. I mean, there are some really cool stories and people like Tyler, I was telling you, I had him on the show before, but um, I mean, I've been seeing you now for over a year. We always talk or whatever, but um, I didn't realize, you know, how involved in the world of bodybuilding you are. I mean, not that it doesn't show, you're obviously friggin' jacked, you know, but um, <laughs> I, uh, once I found out that you, you know, had gotten into it later in life and, um, you know, you're pursuing your pro card and all that, which we'll get into. But um, I was like, dude, you got to come on the show. We got to talk about it. So, you know, th- what was that? It was like Friday or Thursday, right? Like that wasn't, yeah. <laughs> yeah and, uh, you know, and here we are a couple days later. So um, really exciting, cool story. So first of all, let's let's get into the, uh, when, you know, getting into it later in life. So had you been an athlete before? You know, had you done any type of athletics prior to that in your life? You know, not really, not more than swimming or beach volleyball. You know, the usual stuff people end up doing if you like sports. So I snow ski and water ski. So there's all those things, but never did it competitively other than I taught a swimming class and, and did a coach the swimming team um, and was a lifeguard one year. I didn't, I just didn't 
never really got, I never thought I was just too skinny. Everybody told me you're just too skinny. Um, you know, I was the kid that they would put their head, the head in the toilet and flush it and I get the swirly. <laughs> um, I was your audio visual guy that pulled in with the projector. That was me. I was the nerd. Um, you know, I didn't, the jocks and whatever weren't, didn't pay any attention to me. So I just didn't, I just didn't pay attention to that either. That's I pretty wild. Never, so have you, yeah. have you always been in, you know, some kind of shape though? I mean, you've always been like thinner and always skinny uh, in fact i graduated early from high school and went back to visit uh a year later and my coach my basketball coach said wow you're two inches taller you're 20 pounds heavier wish you had stayed in school a little longer <laughs> and you were um you grew up out west right in arizona was it yeah, i grew up in phoenix uh arizona uh hot hot weather so when i go in the sauna i think home <laughs> and that's probably not even close to what it's actually like there too <laughs> that's awesome so um so you you know never really were into sports then you got bit bitten by the bug you know later on in life and uh you mentioned your first competition you ever did you came in last place um let's let's kind of let's, let's go over like leading up to it you know what was the thought process you know it's i mean because i know from personal experience not not me personally doing any bodybuilding competitions or anything, but I mean, that's surprising because I'm so massive and jacked, but uh, <laughs> um, I, know. I, I have friends that do it, you know, and that is no joke what you put your body through. You know, it's it really is uh, a hard, you know, 24-7 maintenance of your body and, you know, training to peak. So did you know kind of like what it was going to be like going into it, you know, that it was that intense? No, I, I, I was a, I was completely naive, which is probably a good thing. If I'd known, I may never have done it. <laughs> one of those things. But I was at the gym. It was called ProFit. It was one of the first gyms here in Frisco when we first moved here. And a bunch of my friends who were like my age, um, shorter than me, because I'm super tall. I'm 6'3", but shorter than me. And they were all like getting jacked. And they were like, yeah, I'm doing this competition. And I'm like, what? And and they would come back and go, yeah, I got second place or I got third place. And I'm like, you know, you, I mean, you look jacked, but you're not Jack Jack, you know, you're not mm -hmm. like Arnold Jack. And I was intrigued. I thought, well, wow, if they can do that, maybe I can do that. Cause they're, they were in their forties and I was in my mid forties. Um, and I, so I started lifting and I couldn't gain weight nothing happened. And I was driving myself. I heard, a, you know, my shoulder was sore and, I was doing all this stuff and I talked to this older guy who was in super good shape and he said, you're not eating enough. And I said, I eat all the time. He said, no, count your calories, uh, come back to me in two weeks. And I was eating like between 1200, 1400, me to 3000 and everybody thought I got on steroids. It was that <laughs> dramatic because I just wasn't eating. So that was my first lesson. I'm not, you don't eat enough. People think they eat enough, but you're, you're not eating enough. And is um, it, and when you, we talk about like calories, um, I know there's a million schools of thought in terms of, you know, different diets or nutritional guidelines or, um, you know, like, like, uh, if it fits your macros, for instance, you know, like all calories are created equal in that world. You know what I mean? Where it's like, you know, it doesn't matter if you're having, you know, white or grain, you know what I mean? Like it, so what, what kind of, what did you follow when you first started and how does that compare to what you do now? When I first started, my biggest struggle was just getting, I'm a, meso, I'm a mesomorph now, but I was sort of an ectomorph, I guess, starting out skinny, skinny. And Do you want to go I over just, what those are, by the way, so for, for people who don't know? <laughs> I get them mixed up too. Yeah, I get them all mixed up. I probably have that messed up. But um, I just couldn't eat enough. I, I just didn't, it was like, I can't eat, right? you know, he told me, set your palm pie to eat every two hours. That was like, how do I do that? And I literally would stop. He said, don't, it doesn't matter what you eat, just stop and eat. So I was stopping at McDonald's or stopping at Wendy's and I'd, I'd order a burger and I'd sit it, I'd sit on the edge of my seat in the parking lot because I was going to throw up. I just couldn't <laughs> consume that much food. It was just so contrary. That's wild. So I wasn't even dealing with macros and stuff. I was just dealing with the, can I consume enough food? Mm -hmm to feed whatever it is I'm going to do in the future. And the answer was no. And I needed to learn how to do that. That was the very first fundamental thing. And I'm not a big drinker and I don't smoke. 
and I, and I don't have any illnesses or injuries. So I didn't have any of that to worry about. I mm -hmm. just had this to worry about. And I wasn't overweight. Uh, people would have looked at me and thought I wasn't overweight, although for a tall skinny guy, I was a little carrying some fat. So I was, I got up to like 217. And then I started my cut and it was for 24 weeks we cut, which is too long. That's crazy. But I got down to 178 pounds. 178 pounds, holy cow, and you're 6'3"? Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, the, uh, so, also, I wanna mention that uh, you kind of breezed over this, but you said uh, you dated yourself when you said uh, he told you to set your Palm Pilot for every two hours. <laughs> I did. I totally dated myself. I know. I am ancient. No, uh, no, yeah. but you know, kind of piggybacking on that though. I mean, I, as a triathlete, I'm the other end of the spectrum. Like I am burning so many calories all the time. You know, I'm doing at least an hour and a half to two hours of cardio a day. So. I use my fitness pal religiously so I can track because you're right. I also at the, when I first started getting into dirt sports, I wasn't eating nearly enough either. And I was dropping weight and I'm like, I was like a free fall, <laughs> you know? And I'm like, what's yeah. going on here? So I uh, really had to pay attention, but that tool for me is just, you scan a barcode and you're good to go. You know what I mean? Where back in the day, in the days of Palm Pilots, <laughs> um, how did you keep track of your calories and stuff? Like it wasn't commonplace I, to go to McDonald's and know how much, how many calories were in a burger, right? I mean, that, that really wasn't a thing. So yeah. I bought a book, you know, those, they had diet books that had the calories, you know, this much oats is this many calories. I mean, it was so analog. That's crazy. And I, so I looked it all up and I wrote it all down. And yeah, so tracking it was like this pain in the big fat ass. Yeah. Measuring everything to make sure. And it was just crazy to do that at first. And I, I have my fitness pal too, thank God. <laughs> because, you know, I, it's like I grew up in the day when no, we did that manually. We just tried to figure it all out. And that's and like, it, to me, that, that kind of like, Obviously, it helps, you know, using the using the MyFitnessPal and like the newer tools that are out to help with that kind of stuff. But is there like a, a, a form of nostalgia that you you kind of look at those days? Like, because I feel like that's part of the game, right? Like the dedication and understanding what you're eating. I mean, you bought a book and you were manually like not many people would do that. You know what I mean? Like, it's really easy to scan a barcode in MyFitnessPal, but like to go all in, in terms of like having to manually calculate every time you're eating something, that's, that's pretty, pretty intense. I mean, you got to go all in for that. <laughs> and weigh it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like a food scale. Right. Yeah. When I told my wife I was going to do a, a competition, she basically said, I'm not doing your food. It's too much work. <laughs> you get to do it. So yeah, I, there is some nostalgia to it only related to the fact that I was learning so much about food you know yeah and i think that's the part that w when we have these new tools we don't know about food we really don't i talk to a bunch of young people who have no clue they don't understand so they either you know adhere to you know the if it fits your macros concept or they just try to find something and latch on to or they saw a youtube video or they saw a guy that was jacked and they liked him and he's their age or whatever and and they jump onto that instead yeah you're right i went through that whole process where it's like i learned really right away i respond to sugar carbs i do not respond well to fat i don't burn fat well in a sense that if i get fat my metabolic rate is high but if i get fat it's hard to get it off which is rare for a tall guy so i and i learned that my metabolism was slower my i should say my internal organs were slower it took longer for me to digest food um, so things like that, that you don't figure out because mm -hmm. you have the tools now. And we had to figure that all out. I had to go through all that and then be all disappointed. I mean, I was cut, I was shredded, but I was so tiny because I really didn't have any muscle mass. I was carrying around a lot. Of, I was fat. I mean, just, <laughs> I was fat. I thought I looked good. You know, I'd be out there, you know, I'm strutting cool. around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah strutting around. That was my 16 inch biceps, you know? And, you know, I get on stage and I'm just the tiniest guy. I was literally the tiniest guy there. That's crazy. Now, where was this in Arizona that you did your first one or that was here? Oh, it was here. It oh. was at the heart of Texas. Uh, and uh, 
I thought there was, I called the guy, Prince, uh, uh, and, and he was the promoter. And I said, how many people are in my age group? And by the way, I asked him, I'm six days away from 50. Are you sure you can't push me into the 50? <laughs> he said, no, the rules are very explicit. You know, if you're not 50, you can't be in the next group. So I was competing against guys 40 to, to, to 49. So it's in 10 year increments usually? Yeah. Yeah. And there were 13 people. Wow. So uh, Onyx is a gentleman uh, that is awesome. He's been on the stream. You know, he, he hops on the stream all the time. And he was a, um, a strongman guy. You know, he did the, those kind of competitions. But, um, you know, he's very in tune with, you know, the nutrition, everything like that. And uh, he said, finally, a dude that understands that if it fits your macros is only a starting tool. And then you have to find your personal balance based upon how you feel inside. Would you agree with that? I would totally. Yeah. I tell everybody, um, whatever you're picking, you know, from all these things you're picking, you have to do it for yourself, which is why it's hard for me to tell you, you know, they want walk up and they want the magic pill or as yeah. a friend of mine called the unicorn horn powder. <laughs> I don't have the unicorn horn powder. I can only tell you that, yeah, if you do, I fit your macros. If it fits your macros, that's great. But you still have to figure out for your body because all of our chemistry bodies are different. And yeah. um, I think of it like a factory. I'm turning knobs. And if it fits your macros, helps me turn the knobs, it's cool. If it doesn't, I got to switch it up. And this year I had to switch it up, but that's another, we'll get there later. That's a good, that's a good way of looking. That's a good analogy. I like that. You know, I, I'm constantly fine tuning my stuff as well. And I realized that, um, you know, sugar, once I cut out sugar, I mean, obviously it's, I mean, it's, it's virtually impossible to like completely cut out sugar, you know, hundred percent, but like I'm very, no liquid, you know, it's only water, black coffee, you know, um, you know, all the food that I eat, I always make sure that it's, there's like no sugar in it or very low or whatever. But once I did that and start, stopped eating grains, that was a big thing for me. Um, I had a lot of inflammation and it started to really rear its ugly head when I, when I was eating, you know, bagels and, you know, yeah. Cheerios and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, um, I, I was starting to get knee issues from all the endurance, you know, from running. And, uh, oh, yeah. once, once I cut that out, man, they, they went away and, um, it's, it's having that relationship with your body, like understanding how your body reacts to certain, it's a, like you, you're saying, you know, it's, it's tr turning the knobs, figuring out what works, what yeah. doesn't for you. Cause we're all different. You know, we're all, we're all completely different. Um, we are, and it, a lot of people have gluten issues and grain issues. I don't eat a lot. I don't eat like I have no bread. I don't have bread in my refrigerator ever. Yeah, that's that's what I I switched up probably like four or five years ago, and that was that was a major change. And I, yeah, I'm the same way. I'm the same exact way. Yeah, um, it kind of bloats me, and I do feel I feel arthritic in my joints. I don't have it. I don't think it's as profound as you. Like I don't drink milk either. Yep, I quit. Yep, I don't drink milk either. Like I said, the, literally the only things I drink are you know on, on a regular basis is water. Um, I like seltzer water just because it's like I used to like pop, you know, but you know that's the worst thing in the world for you. So it's, seltzer water to me is just like, hey, it's a fix, you know. It's like carbonated, and it's then water, it's fizzy, it's fun, it's nothing. Yeah, and so that and uh, and uh, and coffee, you know, just straight up black coffee. That's all I have. Yeah. Um, yeah. So all right, so gearing up for your um, gearing up for your for your first competition, right? You said twenty. So a 24 week shred, is that what you said? Yeah, too long. Damn. Seven weeks out, I was perfect and I just kept losing muscle mass. That's wild. Yeah, Onyx, Onyx says here, uh, food was designed as fuel and then we can split the relationship from food as comfort to food as fuel, you benefit. And then he said he drinks Diet Mountain Dew because the addiction is real. <laughs> I feel you. Hey, <laughs> you gotta live, you gotta live. My addiction is uh, like, a, you know, just coming off the heels of me saying I don't eat sugar. Um, the one exception I will make on occasion is have you ever had nothing bunt cakes. Yes. Oh, got to make the exception for that. That is just Hall of Fame stuff right there. <laughs> I, I have for caramel, dude. I make the best caramel popcorn for Christmas. Ooh. If there's a bowl of caramels, I'll eat the whole thing. Hey, well, Christmas is around the corner, so I expect I to see know. some at the gym. All right. <laughs> you're, you're expecting your baggie. Yes. Yes. 
That's your payment. <laughs> I'm glad Onyx said that because it is. If the food is fuel, but you can also be putting crap in there. And if you put like, you know, water or sand in your gasoline engine, you're, it's going to be a problem. And we have to figure that out. And you can't, you can't figure it out without just trying it and then seeing what happens, you know. And people know. I, I've met people that tell me, oh, yeah, I can't do tomatoes or I can't do they already know they eat it anyway you know and they go and get their pizza and they're sick and they take all the pills to make themselves feel better i always wonder that i i like after living so healthy for so long i can't imagine i mean i've i've really always i've always been an athlete and maybe you know as a kid you're not you know counting your macros or you know paying attention you just eat whatever the hell you want but um you know i've never been overweight or like obese or anything and I look at some of these people and I'm like, I don't think you understand how different your life will be if you just treat your body just incrementally better. It's not like you have to make the drastic change overnight, you know, but just maybe cut out one thing here or there, you know, and incrementally change the way that you're living because it's like, I, if I have one day where I just go off the wagon and I just like go ape shit, you know, I, uh, the next day you pay for it. And it's like, people live like this all the time. That's nuts. Yeah, you know, it's, it's crazy. And, uh, I was asked recently to do a, to prepare a Ted talk. Uh, well, actually it was before COVID to prepare, prepare a Ted talk about, you know, what have I learned life? You know, what, what has been my best life lesson learned in bodybuilding? And it was related to finding the vision. You know, what is it that you want to do? And then what is it that it's going to take to get there? And then how many of those things that it's going to take to get there can I turn into habits? Because none of us really have the dedication to get up every day. If I got up every day and had to decide to go to the gym, mm -hmm. I wouldn't, I don't know what my survival rate would be, but it's a habit. I get up because that's what I do. The alarm goes off. I get up, I put my clothes on and go. So finding out what things can be habits, um, is a, there's a corollary what things are just that's your food it's not a diet it's just your food it's what you eat it's the fuel you know it's good fuel for your body and so you do it that's all it's just it's it's not as hard as people think it is they try to make it hard i think as an excuse that's, yeah yeah no i think that's right I, I i love that way of thinking too because i i also think that way as well you know with with endurance sports you know like i said i'm doing an hour and a half a day at least of either biking, running, or swimming. And I look at it the same way, like you said, you know what I mean? You don't think about it. Once you start thinking about it, you can talk yourself out of it. But if it's just a part of your day, it's yeah. like, it, like let's, just, let's say, you know, no one necessarily enjoys going to work every day, right? But it's just, you know, you gotta do it. And then when you don't go, you're like, huh, that was weird. Something was off. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's like the same thing. You know, it's, it's the days that you don't feel like going, that you get it done. Because no one 100% of the time wants to work out or go, you know, to work or whatever. But it's the consistency is where you find that success, you know, and, and it's, it, it's a mindset. Make it, yeah, to make it really personal, you don't get up and say to yourself, so should I shower today? <laughs> uh, should I brush my teeth today? Oh, oh, my gosh, I'm struggling with these decisions. No. <laughs> you find yourself in the shower and you wake up in there usually. I do. Um, and then you're brushing your teeth and you're combing your hair. You know, you're doing all that stuff. You're not thinking about, right. should I do that or not? Right. And right. then you know, oh, I have my cup, cup of coffee. We have our little rituals. It's a habit. I was fascinated by the book, The Seven Habits of uh, Highly Successful People, thinking mm -hmm. I would hear about the seven habits that would make me highly successful. And what I really learned from that book was successful people have habits because that's how they conserve their energy and commitment and determination because they develop a habit. It takes 30 days, Brian, 30 days to develop a habit. I like that. I like that a lot. I, uh, I bought that. I'm not a big reader, but I like listening to podcasts and you know books yeah. and stuff. And I bought that book on audio tape and I still haven't listened to it. So I definitely have to, I have to get back to that. I mean, everyone I know that has listened to it or read it is, you know, it tells me that I got it. So um, I gotta, I gotta just do that. Uh, Onyx also said, he said the hardest part, the hardest part of eating to be a thick boy is the cost. Uh, with the second hardest part being training your mind to keep the habit. Also, Taco Bell is the world's greatest cleanse while dieting. That is all. 
Oh, well, thank God for Taco Bell. I, I mean, I'm a big fan of Taco Bell. I like Taco Bell. <laughs> um, all right, so you did your first show at how old? Six days before I turned 50, literally. Six days before you turned 50. Now, this is this is why I find people like you absolutely fascinating because I have friends that when they turn like 25, they're like, we're old, this is it, we're just going to ride it out. You know what I mean? I'll go to this job that I half-ass, and I'll just go sit at home and watch TV. And it's yeah. like, what? I, like, are you kidding? I'm Every day I'm more excited than the last to, like, get stuff going. You know what I mean? To get Listen, I started a freaking podcast at 34 years old. You know what I mean? I love it. Yeah, man. Like, it's it's fun. It's fun growing. And, like, I want to do so many things that I just – there's not enough hours in a day to do that. You know? So at 50 years old, you got into it, and um, you said you're pursuing something pretty cool. If you want to, you know, share with us that. Well, I thought it was a bucket list item. You know, when I told my wife, I want to do this, it's a bucket list thing. You know, I'm going to check, check it off the list because we had seen the movie Bucket List. And so said it's a bucket list item. I want to be able to say I did it, uh, have the pictures and all of that. My my parents came and my kids came and my sister came from Arizona to watch and it was really cool. Um, I had a friend at the gym who sort of befriended me toward the end and was helping me with the posing. and. He was there with his dad and you know i felt very loved and supported and 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 all of that but when i stepped on stage and i knew i was gonna lose because when you're in the back you know when you're in the pump room and you're looking at these guys and literally their forearms are bigger than your quads you're just going <laughs> you know uh, it's nothing's gonna it's not and i was looking at their numbers and they had lower numbers than me but it's because they were also kind of making a comeback. So they were doing their regular age, or they were doing the regular open for their weight group, but they were also now doing the masters. So they're kind of double dipping in a sense. And um, so I got all these guys who like, wanted to show their their kids, you know, back in my twenties, I was a bodybuilder and now I'm a bodybuilder when I'm 40. And I didn't have that advantage. So I didn't have, I mean, I don't even know what all they were doing to have an advantage but you know i never had that i used to be also if you uh if you take that term pump room out of context that could get pretty dirty pretty quick <laughs> i apologize <laughs> the back room where you're getting ready to go. um onyx asked you um he wants to know what is your off-season body fat percentage i never get above 15 percent. that's pretty damn impressive <laughs> yeah um, I was told as an old person, don't do it. Don't don't get older over 15%. And probably too, I'd assume, because you said um, for you especially, you know, getting, when you have a little extra weight, you know, fat, you're trying, it, it's harder for you to burn it off, right? So um, it's probably hard for you to, you know, maybe others, do others go above 15% or is that common? I, I don't really know anything much, you know, about that. Part of I think the older you get, no, you stay low. I, I, I have a lot of my friends that never get above 10. But they're sacrificing adding more muscle. But we're older, so we know we're not going to do the 30 pounds of muscle every two years or whatever. We're lucky. So, like, between my first competition and the next one was five years, it was only, let's see, 70, it was 20 pounds in five years that's how hard it was for me to add mass so it's not like uh we're gonna add a ton of mass so some guys sacrifice and get below or hang around 12 percent. so you can grow a little bit but they know they're not gonna put nobody's gonna be putting on 20 pounds at 60. we're, we're just not gonna do it yeah onyx onyx just called you a monster so in a good way in a good way <laughs> <laughs> A beast. That's the, my song I picked for my show, but that's again, we'll, we'll wait. Night. What song is that? It's a song I can't remember who did it, but it's called "I'm a Beast." <laughs> da, 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 da. So. Wow, you sound like a real professional singer there. That was beautiful. That was that was wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, when's your next show? It's coming up, right? It's this Saturday at the Kuko Classic Granite. Uh, oh, it's this Saturday. Oh. Yeah. Uh, Hilton at nine o'clock in the morning on the 26th and they're doing it because of COVID they're doing prejudging and finals so how they're uh, what I was told we were going to be doing that's un unusual usually the finals are at night 
So they're doing it all in a bulk, a, a, a block, and then they're gonna do the ladies starting at three o'clock and be done, and they're done. There's no night show. They're charging a little more money for that, for those blocks, and you gotta pay for both if you wanna see both. But at least you get to see who wins, mm -hmm. because some people would come to the morning show to watch you, see if you qualified, and then if you did, they, they didn't have to come to the night show because you weren't going to be there. But um, and so they'd have to pay twice. Now they're just plump, lumping it all together. So we'll go out on stage and do our routine first. Um, that's all your favorite poses out of the 13 mandatory poses. And then they'll do the lineups where it's quarter turns and they'll call out all the mandatory poses and then they'll decide. And normally it's decided, some people lose it at the quarter turns, just because there's not a lot you can hide in a quarter turn. <laughs> you either are or you're not. The poses you can kind of get creative and sort of uh, look like you know, you're better than you are. Um, and your posing routine, of course, is always designed to make you look your best. But uh, so I should know by three o'clock, I'll know before three o'clock. I don't know when it's done, whether I won or not. That's amazing. Now, is there a way to watch? Are they going to like stream it, or is there any way that someone could tune in to see what's going on? I haven't heard that they're streaming it live. Okay. Well, if you do find out um, that they are or something, let me know because I'll put that in the notes, you know, in the show description, so yeah. people can people can you know tune in and cheer you on because you're you're pursuing something pretty cool, right? Yeah, I'm pursuing my pro card. So what that means is uh, you have to go, there's there's amateur shows all over the place and you go to the amateur show and um, and that's fine. But if you want to go to the next level, then you're gonna go to a national qualifier show. So the Kugel Classic is a national qualifier and if I win my group, then I get to go on to Masters Nationals or any other national one where I can get my pro card. And I've chosen Masters Nationals. It's in Orlando, October 16th is the day I, I need to be on stage. I gotta get there a day before to register. But so in three weeks afterwards, I would be going to Masters Nationals, hopefully to get my pro card. So you got and, a big you got a big couple like a month, right? I mean, yeah. I mean you got this twenty-sixth and the sixteenth. Those are some big days for you. Yeah. So yeah, do I'm you excited. know do you so like in the world of triathlon, um, I see the same people at these races, and I know who I'm competing against, you know, and I know, I know what I'm up against. Do you know what I mean? At is, is that kind of the same way in your world? You know, do you see the same people, especially like you said in the age group, the uh, uh, 40 to 49, there were 13 people. You know, do you start to see the same people as you get older? Because there aren't many people like you that are this dedicated and maintain fitness this well you know what i mean like do, do you see that yeah that is true and what my greatest fear is, and i'm i'm highly competitive you kind of already know that brian because you've watched me at the gym yes sir but I, my fear is i'll step on stage and there's not going to be anybody else there and i'm going to get the trophy just because i, I showed it up you. yeah and i'm not that's not who i am i don't like that idea i mean i'll take it obviously but um i would prefer there to be one or two people i can say they were good and I beat them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yes, at my age, they're not. And um, at my age, if you've been a bodybuilder for a long time, you're really far and few between. So I'm far and few between already. Uh, those guys who have been bodybuilding since they were young and somehow were able to get into their 60s and 70s, um, they are phenomenal beasts. <laughs> and when we get our pro card, there's a you can stop there and you can now say, I'm a pro, I'm an IFBB pro, I'm an NPC pro. <clears throat> and you can get sponsorships maybe, but they really expect you to go and do what's called your pro debut. So literally in another year, I need to do a pro show. Um, even if I don't win that pro show, I need to do a pro show because you have to show up basically as a pro. Did you actually go and be a pro? Now that you may got your card, did you go compete against other people that also got their card? That's the point. And that's the next, that is the next level. And so a lot of my friends that I've been following on Instagram, like one guy three weeks ago, just got his pro card and he's going to masters nationals. That's amazing. So, that's cool. 
I'm going to see him at Masters Nationals and we'll probably compete against each other, except he does physique and I do, or he does classic and I do bodybuilding. So we won't compete. What's the difference? Well, they have three classifications now. The physique guys are the board short guys. They've got four little poses where they turn around. Nobody cares how big your legs are. Nobody's looking at your calves. They're just looking at how wide you are, how beautiful your shoulders are. Are your pecs amazing? Is your back beautiful? Are you handsome and good looking? And do you have these abs that make people want to wash their clothes on your body? Hmm. Um, then there's classic, which is the board or the block cut uh, shorts. It's not the short speedo like opposers. Um, and those guys are pretty damn big. Uh, 121 or two, let's see, uh, two, 221, I think is the cutoff. Um, or 212 is the cutoff for some at my age and height. Um, <clears throat> and they're pretty big guys uh, for their size. Uh, 212 is big. Um, and they do uh, about 11 of the regular poses. And then bodybuilding is you've got the little posers on and you're doing the 13 poses, the regular 13 poses. Hmm. I had no idea that they're that different, you know, the, those three categories. So what drew you to bodybuilding? Well, when I was younger, I always admired those people who could put on masks, you know, and I was one of the kids that, that thought Dave Draper was, mm-hmm. uh, now I'm really dating myself. <laughs> no, I know who that is. I know that. And I, I just Draper. mean in terms of like this discipline as opposed to the other two disciplines. Do you know what I mean? Like when I started, they only had physique. They didn't, and they were oh, just, okay. physique, but they didn't even have the classic or the whatever. Um, so I've done, I've just not thought about doing the other two people do more than one but i feel like that's kind of cheating the other people if you're good enough to do bodybuilding i don't think you should be allowed to go do classic or physique seems like those are were designed to be classes for people who didn't want to be as big as the bodybuilders ah okay i see that okay that makes sense that makes sense it kind of goes from you look great on the beach or on the magazine cover to you look uh, like a like an athlete to you look like you know a monster or beast or whatever you know what's funny to to think about is i listen to um i listen to joe rogan a lot he's one of my favorite podcast i mean wow crazy you listen to the most popular podcast on the planet um he uh Something he always says, and by the way, Onyx said, uh, if he needs you, or if you need him, he'll go and stand on stage for you if you need him to. And he said, you know, you'll win. So, yeah, there you go. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, but what I was saying was, like, and Rogan always mentioned this, and I, it, it is interesting. It's like, you know, I'm 34, you know, but even me, like, growing up, there weren't jacked 50-year-old dudes, <laughs> you know, when I was a kid, you know, like – Think about that. Like, if you look back at, like, old movies and stuff from the 40s or the 50s, like, people who were, like, 30 years old looked like they were on their deathbed. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, they, the people looked older. And, like, it's crazy to see nowadays people like you who are in their 50s are just in incredible shape. You know? It's, uh, oh, we got, so, uh, let's just say his, his name's Pimp Lef. <laughs> we call him Pimp. He's on Twitch as well. He came and said hello. Um, so just like you later, and he was on the show earlier. Um, he got into inline speed skating at the age of forty. How crazy is that? Told me about him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, pimp, I talk about you to everybody, man. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, hi, pimp. How you doing? Uh, so, what, but, but yeah, that's like, pick, no, that's go ahead. Thing, right? I mean, you pick your thing. You just do it. Maybe it's swimming, master swimming. Maybe it's. I admire triathletes, frankly. Uh, for me, I know people think bodybuilders are the, are the awesomeness, but you know, bike, ride, swim, uh, or bike, swim, run, that's freaking amazing to me. <laughs> <laughs> I actually I had, mean, a, I had a race yesterday and I won my age group, so there you go. It was a good day. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I have your autograph next time we're it, at the gym. Absolutely. It'll cost you some popcorn with caramel on it. Okay, geez. <laughs> So, um, yeah, I mean, I think I really do believe that the common denominator in people that, you know, whether it's like pimp doing inline speed skating, you getting into bodybuilding, um, you know, anyone who's getting into the, I think the common denominator is just that 
desire within to compete and be your best version of yourself, you know? And I think not enough people get that out of them. You know, like imagine if you never came upon this, you know what I mean? Like if, if I never came on triathlon, like God knows what I'd be doing, you know, cause it just changes your mindset. It makes you look at the world in a different way. You know, at least that's how I think. No, I agree with that. I think that it, uh, you know, I've always kind of wanted to be healthy and around for my kids. They're grown now. So that was a smart thing because they'll all be the hot, sexy grandpa, hopefully. <laughs> but yeah, I think that that's another thing too. I never wanted to be the wheelchair guy or the walker guy. I didn't want that. I, I didn't, I knew a lot of people when I was growing up who were very healthy, um, older, not athlete wise, but very healthy, ate well, mm -hmm. um, didn't smoke or drink or chew or go with girls who do. They just, it was a good, healthy lifestyle and people were healthy and they were doing stuff. I mean, those people were doing hard labor in their sixties. And I'm thinking, you know, we've kind of lost that. And we think 60 is like, you're dead now. Right, you right. Go, go in the corner and read a book and die. Yeah. That's not true. The generations before that helped settle our country, those people worked their damn asses off. Mm -hmm. um, and they weren't, and they worked till they were old. Of course, sometimes they looked even older than they were because they worked so hard. But, <laughs> um, no, but that's, you know, that's what, and it does give you something to, to live for. It gives you something to do and, you know, wake up to. And, well, that's right. And that's what, you know, I, that's what I think the biggest draw for triathlon to me was, was, you know, I kind of had to take a step back because I was playing football in my 20s. And, um, I was like, I obviously can't play football forever. I can't even play another two years the way I kept getting friggin', you know, broken bones and concussions and stuff, you know? So I'm like, I'm like, I can't do this forever, but I'm competitive. I want to do something else. And then the idea of being able to compete in endurance sports literally the rest of my life was something that was like really, really alluring to me. And with bodybuilding, it's the same concept. By the way, Pimp says, you look great. Make a muscle. Show, uh, show, pimp your biceps. Look at these bad boys. Are you kidding me? That's like the size of his head. Come on now. <laughs> that's nuts. Um, and Onyx threw some shade at me. He said, "That's what happens when you get super old. Races become easier to win." Hey, I didn't age out of the thirty to thirty-four yet. I'm still in the young. Pick <laughs> um, your gun, there, Brian. <laughs> and, legit. And then Pimp says uh, he thinks the media perpetuates the myth of age, and I. I'd agree with that. I think it's, uh, you know, it, it's, we've come to, as a general population, just kind of assume that, well, you're going to get old and there's nothing you can do to be old and crippled. It's like, no, what, what are you talking about? You know? I think you said something a minute ago that really struck me and I totally agree with it. It really resonates with me. And that is that you said I'm competitive. And I looked at football and went, you know, a few more concussions and I won't remember who I am. Yeah. I need to find something else that feeds that competitive spirit. Um, and so not everybody's competitive and I totally get that. Mm -hmm. And so what I want to say is the competitive thing resonates with me. But I would say to other people, just do it so you can be around for your kids and for your spouse or for your significant other. Um, so you can travel, so you can have fun later in life and not sit and rot away, you, you know, go um, go volunteer somewhere. Like I, I like to work with the homeless if I can, you know, getting blankets and coats and taking them down to Dallas in the wintertime, you know, get involved in helping other people and don't just sit on your butt. And we, some of us have kids and so you've got those lives to invest in and, travel with your kids and go do stuff with your kids um, and with your friends. And, and so it's not always about being competitive, um, but it is often about just deciding what kind of quality of life you really want. No, I love that. And that's, and it's, I think it's too, it's fulfilling. It's fulfilling to have a goal, to chase a goal and then complete that goal, you know, whether yeah. it's, you know, so not even like, like run a marathon, even if you don't have any chance of winning it or like you don't care to be competitive. If it's just you wake up every day and you run and you train to do that thing. And then when you cross that finish line, that's and not only are is it a fulfilling moment for you, but at the same time, like you said, it's being an example for your kids. You know, it's showing your kids that, you know, 
I just think too many people are just sleepwalking through life and you just wake up, you go to some job you don't really want. That's not fulfilling, you know, and then you go home and you just stare at a TV until you, your eyeballs fall off and then you just wake up and do the same thing over again and you're just living for the weekends and it's basically like living to forget. People just get hammered and then wake up late, eat like garbage and then go back to work on Monday, you know, and it's like, dude, like obviously I, I work Monday through Friday and I was looking forward to Monday today because I was looking forward to talking to you and I'm riding my bike after this, you know, like I... It's just you can't look at life in segments like nine, like nine to five and then other than nine to five. Like, you know what I mean? I just having these goals and fulfilling them is so it's it's it really is a feeling that I, it's hard to put into express into words. But I don't think enough people do anything like that nowadays. Well, a good example is yesterday was the Cowboys football game against the Falcons. Right. Yeah, yep. I'm at the gym. I had people asking me jokingly because they're at the gym, too. Oh, you're not at the game or you're not outside at the star watching the game. Why watch a game? I mean, I'll watch the good important games. That's fun. Mm -hmm. But why am I stuck in a chair watching a game when I can be working out or I could yeah. be hiking or I could be biking or I could be, I could be doing anything. That part baffles me. It's always baffled me. Uh, when I first moved to Utah from Arizona and I was 16 years old, I met all the kids there and Utah's a place where you ski, snow ski. So I'm like, hey, let's go snow ski. When the first snow came, I'd never seen snow. Really? I'm That's like, wild. Yeah, Arizona, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Yeah, let's go skiing. And they're like, we don't know how to ski. I said, you live here and you've never skied? What the heck? That's crazy. So we, I drug them all up to the you know cheapest, smallest, lousiest ski resort where the bunny hill was the golf course in the summer and we all learned to ski all of us learned to ski and that would have never happened if i hadn't said why are we sitting on our butt there's snow up there and it's fun let's go do something with it it's that mindset though and i don't think a lot and so that's really the idea of this podcast and this show is i want to be a central location for people to draw inspiration from you know it's like you know, the mantra like you're a conglomeration of your five closest friends or, you know, it's just you're basically like you can create the reality that you can create any reality that you want, especially nowadays. I mean, with Twitter and Facebook, if you believe a certain like if you think that, you know, the world's going to end tomorrow, the earth is flat and, you know, dinosaurs live in the center of the earth, you could create that reality for yourself. You know what I mean? And just live in that world. And what I'm trying to do with this show is introduce people to really inspiring people like you with positive mindsets that you know aren't settling for the status quo and are striving you know no matter how you know difficult things may get and that's another thing that i wanted to bring up was uh i, I mean if you're cool talking about it uh you had a little bit of a setback right i mean uh, we, we talked about it a little bit but um yeah i mean not everything has been really sunshine and rainbows for you either recently. I mean, with, with your health and everything. So, um, in 2016, yeah. I was getting ready to do the Ronnie Coleman, which was a national qualifier because I was going to shoot for the pro card in 2016. I was looking really good. I felt really good. Um, and I suddenly started having some issues with my bowels. And so I went to the doctor and said, I've got a bladder infection or something's wrong. And they said, well, you're, white cell count is high but we can't tell what's going on but we'll give you an antibiotic and i went home and two weeks later i'm at the gym and i feel this warm pain start from below my belly button up my stomach and i knew my colon had perforated because i'd had colon issues before so i rushed myself to the hospital called my wife rushed myself to the hospital make a very long story short they wouldn't do surgery right away because they kept feeling like something else was wrong. It wasn't just a perforated colon. Um, and they eventually found a massive abscess in my lower intestine, which was a blockage that was starting to rot. And they rushed me. I don't think anybody's been rushed into the surgery so fast. I mean, they literally shot the anesthesia in me in the hallway. That's how fast they were wow. rushing me. That's crazy. It was supposed to be a four hour surgery. It was six or seven hours. 
I almost died. My doctor said he had my guts in his hands and he was trying to work this thing out. Plus they had to take out part of my colon and then they gave me a colostomy bag. So I will be posting something on my Facebook page. I'm sorry, on my Instagram and probably my Facebook page um, about how how that worked and some pictures of the scar and whatever. And I had a colostomy bag for eight months. I couldn't go to the gym. It was excruciating recovery. Couldn't use my abs. I had to roll over to get out of bed. I had to have somebody come and take care of me. My sister came to live with me and my mom and my wife, because my wife was working. Um, and so it was just, and it was scary. And then eight months later, they reversed that. So they had to cut me open. So they cut me open like I had a baby, a cesarean. Mm-hmm. And they cut me open again, because they had to make some repair. And then they okay. reversed the colon, the colostomy. So I got rid of the colostomy bag. I'm a huge scar where that was. That was actually a good thing, because I colon was diseased um but then i couldn't use my abs for another year or so and then they had to go in and there were five hernias left over and they repaired those and that was in march of 2018 and my surgeon said you'll never compete again you just won't it's not going to happen um and i seriously had to look into the face of i'm never going to bodybuild again but i just felt like am i gonna just take that and not try i mean at least not try um and so i did now the belly hasn't gotten as flat as i wanted but i did go to opposing coach sheila brown who's also an npc judge uh last week and she showed me what the legal things were to do where you could kind of cover that up and cheat a little bit um and i felt way better about my posing and i'm gonna do fine uh and that really encouraged me but I was told you'll never do this again. You just won't. And I just felt like I that can't be correct. That is a hell of a story. Now, how old were you when that happened? So it was in 2016. So that was four years ago. So I was uh, 58. That's wild. So it's just, it's crazy to like, to put it in context. Like my dad, my dad passed away when he was 56 and super unhealthy you know it's just crazy to think that you were older than he was when he passed away you went through that and you are where you are right now like that's nuts that is that is a hell of an inspiring story man like when i forgot who it was that said uh there's a quote i'm a big quote guy i like you know i I just have a lot of them floating around and one of them was like you know how you get me to do something tell me i can't do something you know and when the doctor looked at you i mean i think about that all the time like if someone were like i'm you know potentially one bad you know crash on my bike away from never racing again you know and if someone were to tell me you know you can't race again you better believe i'm going to do everything that i possibly can in my power to make sure that i can get back there someday you know and it's got to do something like you've been saying this right yep okay so it can't be the bike because i was saying to myself well then i'm going to do swimming if yeah. this doesn't work, I'm going to swim because nobody cares. Yeah. You know, I'm water. Nobody really cares. That is so, that is so wild. So that was four years ago and you had what, eight months you said initially, and then they cut you open again. And then how long was it after that? Um, it was a year before they let me do any, any kind of work. But then I, in 2018, I had to have another surgery to repair the hernias that were there. So I really didn't get to use my abs for six, seven, for four years, for almost five, almost five years. Damn, now do you feel, do you still feel like the residual effects from it? Like, can you, I mean, obviously you can do abs now, but is it uh, like, uh, are you caution? Um, are you, um, take caution when you're working them? Or do you know what I mean? Do you notice a difference now as opposed to before? Yeah, there's things that the, that the surgeon said don't do. So I avoid those. Um, like crunches, never do a crunch again for the entire life. But people say crunches aren't that great anyway. Mm-hmm. So it's um, a lot of twisting that I do. I'm still numb. So I know I'm not, I'm not entirely healed. Mm-hmm. I'm numb in some spots. If I took a pencil and ran it across certain parts of my belly, I wouldn't feel it. Well, you got to think, I mean, when they sliced you open, they're cutting nerves, right? I mean, that's just kind of... 
right? They did. They just sliced and diced. That's and crazy. They because I was going to die. They weren't hurt. So. Think about the idea of a, a a surgeon just holding your guts. Like that is that is nuts. <laughs> I passed out. I'm like, I said, hey, how do you get it? Did you get it all back? Okay. You just I mean, jam it in there, sew it up. It'll figure itself out. Graze <laughs> anatomy thing, and then go. Yeah, we twist here. We go there. We twist. He said, no, it's got this lattice that holds it all together. But I was, it was literally in my lab. That is so crazy. That is that, that is wild. So you got your show Saturday, and then your big one is October 16th, you said, right? Yep. I'll remember that date because it's my best friend's stag that day. I'll be in New York for uh, for, for Do you know what a stag is? Have you ever heard of that? I do. A stag party? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's his stag October 16th, and then his wedding is November 14th. So I'm basically – you're not going to see me for a while, man. I got to go back to New York for six weeks. Wow. Yeah, I know. I'm I got to – normal again <laughs> i gotta quarantine for two weeks when i go up there i gotta sit in a room by myself for two really? weeks yeah really? they, yeah man new york's out of control and then they uh they charge like it's like three grand if you break it like they call you every day yeah it's nuts it's nuts so wow. it, instead of going quarantining coming back for two weeks and then going and quarantining again i'm just staying with my buddy for six weeks and then so for a month i'll be able to at least be free you know what i mean and yeah. Are you flying there? I'm going to drive. I'm going to drive because I got two dogs. What's up? They're still going to quarantine you if you drive. They they wait for you at the border when you get in there. Wow. Yep. Oh, yeah. Pretty wild stuff, right? Crazy times we're living in. It's crazy times. We're I'll tell you what. I uh, Not to get political, but I am just happy that I live in Texas for uh, for this whole pandemic. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate it. <laughs> I was in Spain with my daughter in March. Holy cow, are you kidding me? Yeah, and we got back three days before they shut everything down. Oh my God, Spain was like really, really bad, wasn't it? Yeah, we were afraid they weren't gonna let us back. Wow. I mean, we didn't know, we didn't see anybody and nobody was wearing masks. And the weirdest thing to me was when we got back on the plane, nobody took my temperature, nobody made me sanitize, nobody, um, you know, they didn't even ask if I was sick. They just put me on the plane and flew me to Paris, and then my daughter and I, and then put put us on the plane and flew us to Atlanta. Holy shit! That seems like another life ago, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. And then we, you know, we got back, and three days later, they shut it all down. I can't wait till we can travel again. I, uh, I was, uh, I went to the World Championships in August of last year in Switzerland, and that's where I proposed to my fiance. And um, oh, fun. So, and that was, I think, the anniversary of it. We got home actually today last year and uh so the memory came up on facebook you know so i've been seeing the past like week of me taking yeah. pictures around you know uh switzerland and uh I'm like damn that seems like just so another life ago because who knows yeah. what it's going to be like moving forward you know it's 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 a whole were you in Bern? where were you at we flew to uh geneva but then the game or i'm sorry the race was in uh lausanne Okay. But uh, it was, it was freaking beautiful, man. It's like, you, you go and I'm sure you, same thing as Spain. It's like you walk around, you're like, people live like this. This is nuts. This is so crazy that, you know, they, these people don't give a shit about what I'm doing in my part of the world. Everything seems so important to me. You know what I mean? In my little bubble that I live in in Texas, you know. But you know, these yeah. people over here are just walking around mountains and you know. Yeah. It's just well, and I went to my very first club in Madrid with my daughter for her 25th birthday. I've never been to a club. Come on, really? Really. That's, that's <laughs> awesome. Did you have fun? Oh, I had a blast because it was, it was, there were no, no guy, you know, who, who, you're 61. So who, what rules are there? What, uh, I don't know. It was just, and not so much that I didn't need rules because I think it, it might've been different. I mean, my daughter said it was a little bit different than here in the U.S. You know, uh, the people were a little bit more um, just engaged in having fun rather than everybody trying to hook up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, we had a blast. I mean, I was like, wow. And, of course, it didn't open until midnight. And so I'm like, I need a nap <laughs> before we go because I'm not going to last. And we were there till 6 o'clock. That's mean, awesome. That's fun. Yeah, one of the um... – I think Ibiza is in Spain, isn't it? Isn't that like the yeah. crazy? Yeah, the uh, there's a World Championships for triathlon 
in a couple of years in Ibiza. So I'm really hoping I qualify for that one. That'll be a good time. <laughs> that would be cool. Yeah, yeah. We'll see. It's uh, <laughs> this year. Well, this there's some good ones coming up. This year's Bermuda. Next year is Abu Dhabi, and then the year after that, I think is Ibiza. So there's some pretty cool trips coming up if I can keep qualifying. So that's what keeps me motivated. I get some cool trips out of the, out of it, you know. <laughs> well, and as a pro body, if I make the pro bodybuilder card, I, my daughter, who's a, a great planner, she's like, "So, Dad, what are you gonna do with this? Is this like gonna be a new career for you? What are you gonna do?" So talk about the future. I said, well, you know, what I'd really like to do is I'd like to do a blog, maybe a podcast. You've kind of encouraged me. There you go. <laughs> do a podcast and try to find some of the most awesome bodybuilding gyms around the world. That's a cool idea. So you can pick, once you're a pro, you can pick any pro show in any country you want. So, uh, you know, you could just start picking pro shows and then go into that city. without. That's they, pretty freaking cool. The best bodybuilding gym, and then go and you know go. Yeah, not so good. Or yeah, this is one of the best ones I've ever seen, and give it a rating. Hey, I that. say I say you start that podcast ASAP because you know what? You interview some people. Maybe the judges start uh you know judging you a little bit nicer if you're on the good side, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I could interview. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> be fun and try to figure out too it'd be kind of cool to see so well, how is it different in other countries because it's yeah. bodybuilding's kind of picking up around the world mm -hmm. so yeah that, that could be something that might be a whole another career who knows yeah for sure i mean there's especially with like the just the, the age that we're in now of health obsessed you know everyone's just obsessed with health like and you see the rise of the crossfit games and you know it's just like people are competing at working out now, <laughs> you know? So it's like, it's crazy to see how the the psyche of, of the world has really taken on this, you know, yeah. health conscious. And I think, you know, do that podcast. I listen to that. That's pretty cool. You know, I, I really do. I really do admire the dedication that it takes to do something like you're doing, because like you really, for me as an athlete, like yesterday, you know, full disclosure, I did a race. I won. I was really happy. So then I had McDonald's breakfast afterwards. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, I'm gonna treat myself. But, um, right. you know, that's not the norm, but like for, for athletes, it's more like, I mean, not that you're not an athlete, but I'm just saying it's a different kind of athleticism where you can't slip up. I mean, it's like one bad meal can really derail you. You know, it's, it's a change, right? It's mental, but you do get them every once in a while. So like after the show, uh, some friends are taking me to Hutchins barbecue love that place hell yeah each cobbler that's yep i've had that and it is incredible now i want that now <laughs> yep. so um but anyway thank you so much for having me on I yeah appreciate man i appreciate awesome. you coming on chris seriously um you are definitely an inspiration that is for sure um i know everyone had a great time watching and um if you want to follow chris his show is this saturday and, um, you know, he's got that big national masters in on October 16th. So we'll be keeping up and hopefully we can have Chris back on the show with, uh, with some hardware and a pro card, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Chris. Well, thanks for your time, man. And did we not, did we miss anything? Is there anything that you want to get out before we hop off here? No, you did an excellent job. I'm very impressed. Well, I appreciate that, man. We'll see you at the gym. All right. Okay, brother. Take care. All right. You too, man. See ya. Well, there it is. Another episode in the books. That was the first time we've had an athlete on in a long time. So it it was a nice, uh, you know, nice mix up to the uh, Twitch affiliates that we've had. Nothing against you Twitch affiliates, but, you know, the show started as an athletic one and uh, it was nice to get back to our roots with this one. But what an inspiring story. I think that is just so cool. And uh, I'll be rooting for you, Chris, on Saturday and at Nationals. So keep it going. We're all, we're all pulling for you. And as usual, I always like to give shout outs to a couple brands that I really believe in. Um, first of all, I'd love to talk about Rubcore. I uh, got hooked up with them. They're actually one of my sponsors in racing and um, they have been nothing but but uh, great ambassadors for you know me and um, 
really provided me with uh, some cool stuff. I have a mat that's under my uh, bike in my room, but um, I so I reached out and I said, you know what? I want to do you justice when I try to talk about Rubcore. I don't do a good job. So they sent me this and I'm going to read it. So for athletic performance surfacing, increased shock absorption, improved foot stability, optimal traction, and increased energy return to the athlete for maximal dynamic performance. I do agree with all that stuff. This stuff is really cool. And then there are other benefits as well. Like it has poor conduct, poor conductivity. So it uh, allows for ambient surface temperatures for outdoor installments. So basically, in Brian Goldsmith terms, you can walk on it and it won't burn your feet off in Texas. <laughs> but uh, Rubcore, uh, go check out their website. It's all over my social media. And uh, the other one I want to bring up is On. As always, I am a part of the On Run crew. They have done something really, really cool. I don't know if you guys saw or not, um, but it's called the Cyclone. And basically, it's billed as the running shoe you will never own. And you know why? because it's a shoe subscription service where basically it's made out of recycled material. You wear the shoes, you give them back on a monthly basis and you get new ones. How cool is that? Let's see your running shoe company do that. <laughs> Just kidding, but um, I love the brand. I'm a part of the On Run crew and I just won a triathlon, my age group, last Sunday in the On Cloud X's. So shout out to On. Well, thanks again for listening. I really appreciate it. As always, we have some more really cool guests lined up. And stay tuned to my social media channels at Go For The Goldie on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. Have a good one, everybody. Have a great week. Bye-bye. <laughs>